Um, great to have uh, all of you with us, uh, joining us here online, wherever you're uh, from. Um, and of course, we're in this series, uh, What is Love? We're in the third week. And uh, this morning, uh, I want to look at something that the Apostle uh, John wrote. And we're going to kind of uh, look at this. And it really breaks down, this one passage, it breaks down into two really important uh, chunks. And so my sermon's going to be divided up into these two big parts. And the first part, John is, he's wanting something for us, something that is for us that we need, we've got to take and embrace. And then the second half is something that he wants uh, to happen through us in this. And so it kind of breaks down in these parts. And um, uh, rather than uh, read the pas uh, passage later, and I'm gonna, I'll read parts of it uh, throughout, I just thought it'd be good to maybe get a feel for the passage we're gonna look at. So if you have your Bibles, uh, or want to follow along, uh, go to 1 John. And, uh, you know, there's the Gospel of John kind of near the beginning of the New Testament, but his letters. He's got these three little letters, if you're trying to find those. Those are near the back of the New Testament, the back of your uh, Bible. And uh, you'll look for uh, uh, 1 John, 1 John. And we're going to read from chapter 3, starting in verse 16. Uh, here's what he says. It says, uh, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. If any one of you has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in you? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions in truth. Uh, so he uh, lays out this uh, passage here and um, and as I was uh, studying it this week, it's kind of interesting. Something happened that just gave me perspective on this. Uh, we uh, uh, were cleaning out some of the, uh, the office area and going through some stuff. And I found this old box of some of my notes from religion classes uh, from way back in the day. And I pulled some of them out and I was looking at them. And um, I had a number of classes on ancient religions and stuff, everything from the ancient Sumerians to the Greeks. And I started flipping through it and just, and as I flipped through it and saw some of my notes, man, it, just, it hit me that like, um, there's, this, there's this thing, this question uh, that, that you see come out in ancient times that's still in some ways a struggle that we have today. Uh, you know, in ancient times, people would go uh, through these struggles, you know, there'd be uh, bad seasons uh, with uh, crops, or it'd be uh, too rainy, or it'd be a drought, or there'd be plagues, or whatever. And uh, their understanding of, of the spiritual realm was just, it was like all of these different gods. And it was kind of this soap opera uh, going on in the heavens between all of these gods, and human beings were caught in the middle. And, re, and, and they were always in this spot of, what do the gods think about us? Because if, if, you know, if they're not happy with us, then bad things must happen. And so it was all about appeasing. And so religion, religion became this method for how to appease the gods, because there was this underlying question that they dealt with. And it's, do the gods, you know, do the gods not like me? Um, and how would I even know, right? And so everything about religion became this way of how do I, how do I appease the gods? H how do I keep them from doing something bad to me? But always that underlying question, the weight of it still held them in, uh, down or in place, right? Um, does God not like me? 
And how would I even know? Because you see all of these things going on and you have this experience and it's just like, like, what does God think of me? And, and how would I know? And it's this weighty thing that people would struggle with. And as I just looked through some of those old notes and thought about it, it, it just hit me that in you know, some 6,000 years of humanity wrestling with this, it's like we still wrestle with this question. Does God not like me? And how would I even know? And it permeates our culture. It really does. Um, some friends uh, told me about a TV show. They said, you, you've got to watch this uh, TV show. And so I started watching a few episodes of this, and it's a comedy. It's called The Good Place. Anyone see The Good Place? Okay, so, so a bunch of you have seen it. So The Good Place, and for those of you who haven't, um, it's, uh, it's, this kind of, it's just this comedy. Uh, Ted Danson in it is in it, and he plays like this uh, kind of angel kind of character named Michael. And uh, in it, it's right all about people going to the good place or the bad place, right? This whole thing. And it's this comedy built out of this thing. And Ted Danson at this one point, he's trying to help people uh, make it into the good place. And there's this one thing, one point where he's trying to help all, he wants to help all the people that are still alive on earth. Like, what can I do to help them get into the good place? And so his idea is he's going to interview this human being, a guy by the name of uh, Doug uh, Forsett, kind of like Doug Forsyth, because he has the foresight to understand like what's going on uh, with this. He's going to go in interview this human being because this human being, he has like the most points. He has more points than like any other human being. And of course, it's all on this point system, right? If you don't get enough good points, then, you know, you go to the bad place, right? Uh, but if you get enough good points, you know, then you can go to the good place. And it's this whole thing. So he goes and he interviews uh, Doug, who uh, when he talks to him, Doug has devoted his whole life to working the system, right? He goes, I know how the system works, right? There's gonna be some accountant out there who's tallying up all my good and bad points and I have to get enough good points. So he dedicates his life, right? To getting enough good points, to doing good things and being kind to people all of the time. Only there's this interesting thing that happens as, um, as uh, Ted Danson's character gets to know him a little bit more, he realizes that Doug is like miserable, right? He's working the system, but he's just miserable doing this because every moment is about like, I've got to do the right thing. He accidentally steps on a snail. He's like, ah, we've got to do snail first aid, right? And so, you know, break out the scotch tape. And so, you know, he's doing first aid on a snail, you know, because he you know, he's got to mitigate his negative points for stepping on a snail. And he's just this whole thing. And at one point, uh, uh, Michael is like, you know, um, Doug, you, like, like you, why don't you take a day and just relax? Why don't you take a day and enjoy life. You work so hard to get all these points. And you know what? You're, you're doing better than everybody else, right? Take a break. And what's so telling, and, and even though it's a comedy, it captures the problem so well. Because Doug goes, oh, no, I won't do that. Because what if I relax for a moment and I lose some good points and it's just enough that it keeps me from making it into the good place. He just lives with the weight of this fear, right? What, what if I'm not good enough? What if God doesn't like me? And how would I know? I, like, I, you just keep striving, never knowing 
for sure, right? It's just that thing that hangs in the back of your mind. And I'm sure like you've experienced it in one way or another. Like, like it's this thing that we experience as humanity. It's, uh, it's the moment where maybe, if you ever made a decision about something and then you have the luxury of seeing how that de- decision plays out and let's say it plays out really poorly and you're just like, oh, I should have, I, like I knew better, I shouldn't have done that, but I thought, uh, and then you're just like what, like, what does God think of that decision? God must be sitting in heaven and, and, and I wonder what he thinks. Is he just like, I can't believe you made that decision. Is he disappointed with me? Is he angry with me? How would I know what God thinks about that? You know, as human beings, we hit these different marker moments in our lives where where we tend to evaluate our lives a little bit more. And it's not uncommon, right, for us as human beings to hit one of those points and just go, you know, have I wasted my life? Have I done enough with my life? Should Should I have, you know, gotten to a better place at this point? And just worry about what, what if God looks at my life and is like, oh man, I can't, you know, I really thought you'd be further along by now, right? Or maybe you've had a moment where difficult things or painful things just begin stacking up. Ever have a season of life where it's, it's not like you're just working through one bad thing, but it's like all of these bad things. And you know what I've noticed is human beings, it's easy for us to go so are all those, like maybe it's not just random, difficult or bad things. What, what, if, what if God's doing this? What, what, if, what if I've disappointed him in some way and this is my penance? What, what if God's, like, what, what, I, I, is that what God's doing? What? And it's this weight of the question, like, what, what if God's disappointed with me? And, and is that what it is? How, how would I possibly know, Right? And what strikes me about the good place that it captures in this is of all the people, right, on earth that should have confidence that they're okay, that they could have a day to relax. And, you know, at one point, uh, Michael goes, you know, I know you've been eating radishes and lentils, but maybe have some ice cream, right? And that's when he's like, oh, no, 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 why, why would I do that? You know, it's just like that the guy who should have the most confidence is still worried and living under the weight of that question, what does God think of me? 6,000 years, and it's still a weighty question for us. But what if, what if before you ever had a chance to make a bad decision, what if before you ever Uh, had a chance to uh, stack up things in your life? What if before you ever faced difficult seasons in life, you had an answer to that question? Like what if God has already answered that question with great clarity? See, that's the thing. That's the thing that John is getting at in this. It's the beautiful thing about Christianity, right? It's the thing that, and to me, sets Christ apart, right? I can go through all my old notes and look at all of those ancient religions and think about religions in this day. And you know, uh, and, and you'll hear us talk about this around here at times. You know, Jesus didn't come to start another religion. The world's had enough religion and systems and all of this stuff. He came to do something else. And you see it in this. And what he does is so simple. And yet it is so gorgeous and powerful. And it's simply this, friends. 
Jesus lets you know. Jesus lets you know the answer to this question. That's what John is getting at this. Look, look back at, at verse 16, right? 1 John 3.16 says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Let me read that again and just, just ponder those words. In fact, if you want, close your eyes and just listen to these words and let them wash over you. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That's powerful. That, that's amazing. You know, John writes something else similar to this uh, in, a, in his gospel, right? The gospel of John. And it just so happens that it is the exact same reference at numbers, right? This is 1 John 3, 16. Um, you may be familiar with John 3.16, the gospel of John 3.16. And it says, God so loved what? The world. God so loved the world. God so loved people. God so loved you, your neighbor, your friends. That he gave his one and only son that, who should ever, that whoever believes in him should have eternal life. Like, like Jesus lets us know what he thinks and feels about us, right? I, that you don't get that in religion, right? Religion doesn't give you that answer. Like Jesus gives you that answer in this. And what's more beautiful about this, friends, because um, Jesus could have just said it, right? Jesus could have just said, I love you. But there's something about it just being said that I think we as human beings could miss. The thing that John does in this, uh, again, that, uh, that, that I don't want you to miss that is so powerful, is he points out that not only does Jesus say it, he expresses it. He expressed it in a tangible way. He laid his life down for us. He did something that we could experience in this. And there's something powerful about that. Jesus didn't just say it. He expressed his love. You know, um, and, and there's something so powerful about love expressed. I think about... Um, uh, when I was growing up, you know, you probably, uh, many of you know this, I like, I loved playing the, the game of baseball. When I was a little kid, I played little league and I played uh, baseball in middle school and in high school. Um, and there'd be days when I would, uh, you know, play the game and it would go well. I'd make a really good play. It was one of my better days, you know, and you just, and you just, and the game ends and maybe you've won the game and it's just, you just linger. You know, you just want to, you just want to pass around the field a little bit. You don't want to leave quite so soon because you did well, you know, maybe someone will comment about one of those plays that you made, right? Those are really great days. I remember one time, I was in high school or middle school, um, and it came down uh, to the last out, and I made the last out, and not made it like made it to win the game. I was the last out, right? I struck out, and it was the last out, and the game was over, right? Those are not the times where it's like, I think I'm just going to linger around the field. It's just like, I just want to go home, and I just like, oh, and you know, I still remember as I was just like 
just wanted to leave uh, the field and get back to the truck and go home, um, my dad was waiting at the edge of the field. And I don't even remember what he said, but I remember him putting his hand on my shoulder. And there was something about the simple expression of my dad putting his hand on my shoulder that was just like, it's okay. You got this because I've got you. Like it just, like there was just something about that simple, tangible experience of just love expressed, right? His love became real because he found a way to just express it. I think about uh, all the years I've been in ministry and you know, ministry, uh, there are high points and there are low points in ministry. There, there are seasons where it's exciting and inspiring. And then there are seasons where it just feels like every day is an uphill battle um, where you're tired, you're exhausted. Um, I am sure that in the careers and work and things that you all are doing, you experience the same thing, right? Seasons that are, that just, that, that pull you into it and you know why you're doing this. And then seasons where you find you're saying, yourself saying, I didn't sign up for this. Like this, like this isn't, this isn't what I had in mind. You just get tired and worn out. Um, there was a time uh, in ministry years and years ago and just kind of going through one of those seasons, just tired and exhausted and just feeling like it just, like everything was a headache. I remember being in one particular meeting uh, with the associate pastors. And then the meeting ended and one of our finance people came in just to like, uh, you know, drop some news on us. And it was that there was an $80,000 swing uh, because of some things that happened with our expenses. It had nothing to do with uh, giving, but there's this $80,000 swing because of how things got shifted around with the um, expenses. And not an $80,000 swing like, hey, there's $80,000 we don't have to spend on something anymore. And so why don't you guys figure out like how we're gonna spend that money, right? Not one of those problems. Like it was the opposite direction. And I remember just thinking like, I, like, I didn't need that one more thing added to this. I remember just like walking out of my uh, office, the meeting was over and uh, there was a pastor on staff. Maybe some of you know him. He retired uh, a few years back, Jerry Wilkinson. He was one of our associate pastors. And he knew, he knew the season we were in and just what, <clears throat> what was on my plate and a new senior pastor and just, and he came over to say something to encourage me. And he just didn't have the words. Like he came over and he started to say something and it just, and then he just reached over and just grabbed my shoulder. Like, like he just, he didn't know what to say in that moment. He just grabbed my shoulder and just grabbed, and then he shook me. Just like, like, I'm, like I don't have the words, but I'm here. And it's just like, he started a few sentences and everything. And then he just like, like, but you know, I needed that in that moment more than the words. It just like, there was something so, he was just like saying, I like, I get it and I'm with you and I care and I'm sorry. Sorry that that was the news you had to hear right now. And it's like his love became real when it was expressed. And it's just that sometimes it's that simple expression of love that makes it real, doesn't it? Have you ever experienced maybe even something simple that someone has done and it became that simple expression? You know, years and years ago, my mom, uh, when she was probably a year or two after being diagnosed with terminal cancer, now those are tough days. And one of my friends, dear, dear friend, like a brother, uh, Darren, came up to me uh, 
uh, one day, just on one of those bad days, and with these incredible words of wisdom and insight said, sorry, man, right? As, as any guy would do, like, uh, sorry, man. But then he just reached out with both hands and put them on my shoulders and just pulled me into a great big bear hug. And those words just became so precious and real because like his love, it just, he just like he had to find a way to express it. And his love became real when he expressed it. Friends, there is something that is so powerful when love is expressed. And so when John says these words, look at these words. Think about this. He says, this is how we know what love is. Because Jesus said so. Had a big speech. Says, because Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Like he expressed it. It's like the beauty of of the cross and the resurrection is not that it was some profound supernatural miracle. The beauty of it is it's, it's God in heaven reached out of heaven and through heaven and through this world and into your world and my world. He came into a point in history, a tangible place. And it's like It's like his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross is him reaching down and putting his hand on your shoulder and my shoulder and saying, I care. And if you've ever had a doubt, if you ever wanted to know, this is the moment that I am letting you know you matter. It is love expressed in the most powerful, deep way, friends. That's the beauty. And it's like, John, it's like he, it's like, he, it's like, don't move on in your faith and try and do all the right things and chase goodness. And like, if you miss this, then you're just, you're pursuing religion in some way. You've got to get grounded in this. We all need this, or we end up living under the weight of, does God not like me right now? And how would I know, Right? And the beauty of what Jesus does is he answers the question, friends. And so here's the simple application out of this first part, right? It's simply this. Step into every day trusting that Jesus loves you. And I mean this. Like this, step into every day knowing that Jesus loves you. It will empower you in amazing ways. It pulls you out of religion and into a relationship with Christ. It pulls you out of this frantic striving to become something and allows you to live in faith with Christ in the most amazing way, right? Start there. If every day is like a fresh piece of paper to see what you and God are gonna do together, that piece of paper comes with a message at the top and it is that Jesus loves you and you know it because he expressed it to you, because he laid his life down for you. But now here's, here's the shift in what John does in this passage, right? This is the first part. It is to be grounded in this beautiful thing. But then this shift comes, and I don't want you to miss this shift, because now it's like, now that you're grounded in this, it's like John's saying, now, I want you to look up and recognize that there are people all around you 
and they are asking the same question you've asked. And I want you to be the answer. That's the beautiful thing, that as we become grounded in this beautiful truth, we get to be like a continuation. We get to be an answer to this. We get to be a continuation of the expression of that tangible love that Christ has for human beings. Uh, he goes on in this. Uh, look at this. Look back at um, the second half of verse 16, and you see how he transitions around this. And he says, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. Do you see the parallel there with how just that we get to be a continuation of his kind of love? And he goes on verse 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person, right? And so he starts with this idea of how you are grounded in this love, but then, and here's, and right, and here's the application. Here's the thing I want to challenge all of us to. As we start every day off in that, then I want you to look up. Look up and see who is around you that's asking the same question. And what can you do to love them? Because what if, what if God has positioned you perfectly around someone else? What if God has gifted you? What if God has infused something in you and you, you are like, you are the perfect person that is the open door to be that expression of love? Like, look up and look for that. Now, and part of the struggle we have at times with this is that we're like, we'll read a passage like this and we're like, okay, okay, I know I'm supposed to do, you know, I'm supposed to be loving and I see that and like, wow. And sometimes we can get hung up on like, like, what does that mean to love them? What do I need to do? What do I like? And we start thinking of all of these things. And, and here's what I want to say. When you look at what he does, he gives us an example of it, but the focus is not just on like what to do to love the person. It's on the who. If you find yourself getting stuck at some moment where you're just like, you know, I have that whole love thing and I know that's really important, but I don't know what to do. Sometimes when we get stuck in that place, we find ourselves pulling back out of fear of like, I don't know what to do in this moment. But, uh, but can I offer this? Start with who, not what. If you find yourself struggling to love, just start with who. Just look up and see who's there and trust that as you see who is there and who needs to be loved, that as you take a step towards that, God will start opening up the what of how to love them. But just see the who uh, in it. Um, uh, I told you uh, a while back at the beginning of this year, I got to get away for a week and it was this wonderful time. And I uh, met a few people that I'd never met before. And I got in this conversation with a retired police officer and, and we kind of got to know each other a little bit. And one night we were uh, talking and chatting and I almost missed this. I mean, I just like almost missed this in this moment. And he was talking about some of the things that were going on in his life. And it's just the demeanor and everything that he was facing. You could tell there was just like this weighty thing that was hitting him. And I just, it was just like at that moment that I was just like almost missed it and ready to just like move on to something else. And it's that moment where it's just like, it just caught me that like, wait a minute, may, like, I think maybe this guy is weighted down by this question. And he talked about some difficult things that had just happened in his life. And I, and all I did was just say, like, damn, that sounds like rough. How are you doing with that? And he said, oh man. And then he walked through a couple of other difficult things and he said, you know what? I can't get away. And it's it, it, not funny. It's interesting. It's like it could have been a scene out of the good place. 
He said, and he listed through like five or six super difficult things that he was trying to navigate in life. And he just said, I'm going through all of this stuff. And the thing in the back of my mind is, did I do something that made God mad at me? Like, is this, all of this stuff, is this because God's mad at me? And, and when he said those words, it's like, oh my gosh. Like, and it hit me. Like, he's like, this is the weight of this thing. And it's like, God's going, Glenn, like, whoa. You, get in there. Like, this, like, you're the answer in this moment. Like, I put you here in this moment. Like, step into this. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to do in this moment. It's like, okay. And just like, and just like, and you know what it turned out to be? Listening, but the tangible expression in that moment was just like, you know what? Rather than, let's, let's have dinner together right now. Just, let's just hang out for a little. And just all he needed in that moment was someone to just say, I'm not backing off. I'm like, no, no, I think God still loves you. And there was a conversation that pursued, but it, the tangible part was just sharing a meal together. That's all it was but it became this expression of love that just changed the whole direction of how he saw that. Imagine you being around someone that is weighted down by that question in some way. Start with the who. And when you see it, trust God to just take a step toward it. And, and the what just might like present itself in that moment. Now, here's the other thing with this that he gets at with all of this that's important. Because there's this thing that we can do at times. And we do it out of great excitement. And we do it oftentimes with good intentions. But it can go a different direction. We can read a passage like this and we can go, oh my goodness, like John is emphasizing this love thing. And like, like you know, he says words like, like and if you don't love your brother, if you don't, you know, love them in tangible ways, you know, like, like offer your possessions or help them in some way, like, like the love of God is not in you. And I'm just like, and then all of a sudden we can make it our mission um, to uh, like love people, but it can become more of this thing that is, that, that can be more about why we need to do it and not why the other person needs it it can become easy to accidentally make someone your project. And I want you to catch what he says here. Look at verse 18. He says this, dear children. And what he does there, I love how he starts this. He comes back at this and it's like identifying us back to that connection with God. We're not his project, right? We're, we are precious to God. He says, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And what he adds here is this idea in truth, right? We know what actions are. Action, that's the tangible part. That's, that's when you just say, hey, let's grab a cup of coffee together. That's when you pull out your wallet and say, I'm gonna love this person in a tangible way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something and maybe it'll cost me. Uh, maybe it's loving them by coming alongside them and helping them uh, with something. Maybe it's just a hand on the shoulder, whatever it is. That's the action part. And then he says in truth. And oftentimes we're like, in truth. Like that just, that doesn't make sense uh, here. But understand linguistically what's happening here. Think of it as the idea of, of doing it with honesty or in genuineness. That's what the word is getting at, that it is honest or genuine. In other words, the motive behind it, there is a genuine motive about loving or caring for that person. They're not the project in this. 
Um, you know, in the TV show, The Good Place, it's interesting, uh, Doug, devoted, right, to, to being nice to people. He'll be nice to everyone. He's nice to snails. He's nice to, you know, to, to, uh, to human beings. And you see all of this. And what you would expect with someone who's this nice is that everyone around him would just, they would become nicer people and they would love Doug and they would treasure him because the love that he's for is just going around. But it's not what happens. I, this is so insightful on the part of, of whoever wrote this because what happens with the people around them um, is uh, they, they, uh, they mock him. Uh, they take advantage of him. They have disdain for him. They resent him. Like, it's just like, he doesn't garner this other kind of love. And it's because while his love has real action, it lacks this kind of truth. Because the truth of his action is, it's about him getting points, not seeing a human being and finding something in yourself of God that draws you to caring for that human being. And here's the deal. No one wants to be a part of someone else's point system, do they? No, right? And so he ends this section with, and he says, okay, now just, I wanna remind you, like, here's the way God loves. God loves in tangible ways, but it is with the genuineness. The reason Jesus laid his life down on, uh, laid his life down for you and I is not to prove what a great God he was. His passion wasn't, and this may sound funny, but follow me on this. His passion wasn't the cross. His passion wasn't the resurrection. Jesus says, God so loved the world. His passion was people. He likes his creation. He likes you. You're not his project. You're his child, see? And that's the thing that we should draw on in this. And so here's my challenge in this is, right? Because we're all gonna find these moments where it's just like, okay, I wanna be that loving person. I don't want that person to be the project. And you know, but like, they're a hard person to love. I, I'm struggling to find a genuineness in this. But what would happen if you simply lifted your head and said, there's a person. And I'm gonna take a step toward them with an open heart, understanding the love that Christ has in me. And I'm gonna be open to how God can do something through me. And his love for that person can soon become my love for that person. Because friends, I promise you, all around you, there are people and they're asking the same question. And God is looking at you and smiling and saying, and you are my answer for them. And may you be that. Why don't you stand? And I'm gonna close this in prayer. Let me close this. You're very sweet. Let me pray. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your love for us. And what we ask is that uh, the genuineness and the truth and the a wonder of your love, that that would just, that would fill our hearts, that it would become more and more a natural expression for us as we look up and see a world around us that is desiring the answer 
that you are. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Have a great morning. See you next week.